The following podcast is a Country Mompreneur production. Welcome to She Can and She Will. I'm Marianne, also known as the Country Mompreneur, and I'm joined by my co-host, Deesa McAllister. We are moms, work-from-home experts, and we love helping women take control of their lives and see all the possibilities. On this show, you will learn from us as well as other women who kick butt in their lives and want to help you do the same. So sit back and get ready for some fun. Well, welcome back to She Can and She Will. And I am being joined today by Angela Gentile. Welcome, Angela. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yes. So first, I just want to start by getting to know a little bit about you and what, be, how you became what you call a badass unicorn. Oh, my God. I love that question. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think, well, being a bad, let's define what that is first. I think being a badass unicorn is someone who just claims their truth and lives their life regardless of the expectations, regardless of the noise, and just full throttle does what they want to do and what their soul speaks to them. Um, wasn't always like that. You know, I think I grew up um, as a millennial with a lot of deference, a lot of playing small, a lot of generational shit that was inherited you know, of like placation, people pleasing as a means of survival. And I think by the time it got to me, I was like, hold up. (laughs) I don't think that this is all outdated. This outdated operating system that my family gave to me was just like not working. And I found myself in situations where I felt small, where I felt smothered and stifled. And I was having like physical reactions, like rage monster moments, because I couldn't contain the placation and the people pleasing and the self-sacrifice because I wanted to be big. I wanted to be loud. I wanted to set boundaries. I wanted to say no. I wanted to throw my middle fingers up, you know, and I had a lot of like fear and shame and guilt around that. So I think being able to shed that and say, no mas, like, I don't, I don't want the kind of life where I feel like I'm in the backseat of my own car. I want a life where I feel in control, where I feel joy, where I feel empowered, where I'm doing what I want to do not what everybody thinks I should be doing. And when I made that shift, I just was like, you know what? This is the promised land over here. Like y'all come, come on, let come join me claiming your truth, doing what you want and what speaks to you. And I feel like when you're in that place and you're trying to explain that to people of why you want more of why you want to bust out, why like the, the prototype and stereotypical life, like doesn't work for you. I sort of equate it to you being the only unicorn in a stable full of horses. And it's not that you're wrong. You just are in the wrong environment because only another unicorn can understand your need to be big, to be bold, to be loud, to be sparkly. Horses are just going to want to make you a horse. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I probably call myself a unicorn and welcome all the other unicorns into my stable. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you were a public school teacher at one point, right? Was, did, I was. Did this, like, was this something that happened because of a leaving that? Did it cause you to leave it? I'm sure I'm trying to be a, a badass unicorn and a school, public school teacher don't mm-mm. go together. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> was, I was a great teacher in a lot of ways. I was a horrible union employee. You know, like, <laughs> Um, yeah, I just, it, it, there was too much rigidity there and, and that was part of, and I think, I think I found myself in that position because of what I was taught that I should be and how I was taught I should show up in life and like give, give, give sacrifice, make a difference, you know, like just martyr yourself to you have nothing left. 
And I started to get resentful. My anger started to come out and I was like the worst version of myself. And I was really miserable. I was really miserable. Not at the kids. Like I want to, I want to just blanket statement that any teacher who's listening, like, you know, your job sucks, not because of the kids. That's actually why you go back every day, but the whole system, the whole, just the whole process and the systemic bullshit that happens in education at the expense of the backs of the teachers. Like I was, I just like, couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And I think I was, I taught for like 15 years total in combination with all the stuff that I did. And I was unhappy, like a miserable human being for seven of those years that just progressively, like my decline kept getting worse and worse and worse. My mental health, my physical health, like I was, you know, having night sweats and anxiety, um, digestion, like, like real talk, like was going like, diarrhea like all the time like I was just a mess like a mess you know anxiety I know some people that that feel that way about their jobs so I'm sure other people are hearing this right now yeah yeah and it was like oh what did I eat and it's like no baby girl this is just the amount of cortisol in your body and your body is telling you get out like stop and I was having like a lot of visceral physical responses like my anger um and all that and just just a side note I've been out of the classroom now almost seven years. And I ran into someone a couple years ago and they're like, Angela, you look so much younger. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) it's because I'm not stressed out every day, baby. That's why. So I was just having like a lot of these physical symptoms Mm -hmm. and I kept finding myself like up against the same roadblock each and every time of like, but I don't know what I, what I, I don't know what to do. And I think my identity was wrapped up in this job. Like even the semantics of what we say, I am a, I am a teacher. Like that was who I was. So I was like, if I take away this identity, who the fuck am I? Who am I? What is my life? Because my life wasn't mine. I couldn't identify who I was in a life outside of this role. So it was really hard for me to leave and separate and start to find like my own agency. And because I didn't have agency, because my life wasn't mine, because I was like in this cycle of doing for everybody else and putting my identity and my worth into other really hard for me to leave a toxic, toxic situation. Um, and what got me to leave and, and go on this quest of badass unicorn status was the sudden loss of my father. Um, my dad passed away suddenly from an aneurysm in December of 2015. And, and I, and I, it came as a shock, right? And I, I, I was 34 and just, aware that your parents were going to pass away, but just like completely oblivious and, and, and unaware that this was an actual reality possibility for my parents who were in their sixties at the time. Right. I had, I had no, like the, the rug, the earth, the floor, the walls, everything was ripped out from underneath me. And I was like in the fiery pits of grief. And it was with that, like through my grief, that I was like, wait a second, girl, if you get up every single day and you're surviving this and you're not taking your own life. Cause like, I wanted to cr- at the cemetery, I wanted to like crawl in there. I, I I didn't like, what was my purpose? What was I doing? Like I was hurting so much that I didn't, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to carry the life that I was living and grieve. So I chose to grieve and start to get rid of the life that I was living. Cause I was like, fuck that. That doesn't make me happy. And if I get one of these lives and it just like, it can all end in a, in a, in a millisecond so fast. 
for any of us, you know, whether you're 34 or 65, like it doesn't, nothing is promised. And with that, I just realized surviving grief gave me a shit ton of courage. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And if I can survive grief, I can quit this job. So I did. So what steps did you take to start? Because you now have a podcast, your own business. What steps did you take to leave and make mm. that move? Cause that's, yeah, that's a big, that's even if you really, really want to, that's a big step to make for a lot of people. For sure. For sure. And I, I definitely want to be mindful. Like there are many ways to quit, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can, you can Jerry Maguire style it <laughs> all you want. And if, and, and I, and I'm a fan of that, if that's what you need to do. Uh, and sometimes that can be helpful. And sometimes when we get pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and we're not listening, we do have a fuck it moment where you're just like, I'm out and we leave yeah. and we just, yeah. and, and, and no shade on that. Like if that's how you got to go, mad respect. I was kind of at that point. <laughs> I did storm out of the classroom and I was lucky enough, like not to be fired. And I came back, but I was like, I ain't doing this shit. I'm done. Yeah. So I want to point out that it doesn't, it, it did. This is now almost, my dad's been gone eight years and I've, I'm, I've left the classroom and have built many iterations of a business in seven years. Okay. So like this woman that's talking to you now, like this wasn't just like, mm, I quit and life was great. No, absolutely not. Like that's not what happened. So I, I think the first step that I did, and, and this is, can be applied to anything where it's a career transition or like a relationship or just wanting more for yourself. The first thing I did was get really fucking clear and decide. I decided on what I wanted this. I knew what I didn't want. Right. And I knew what I didn't want for years and years and years and years, but what was missing and what was missing from the catalyst to take action in my life was actually deciding what it was that I wanted. Cause I couldn't move towards something. If I didn't know what it was, I knew what I didn't want. So I just kept swimming around in the toxic. This sucks. I hate this poor me, mm-hmm. you know, but the single biggest thing I did was decide I wanted a life that felt joyful. I, and then I defined that. I defined what did that mean to me? And I was like, well, what do I want to do every day? I was like, I want to move my body. I want to be outside. I want to be with my dog. I want to eat good food. And I want, and this was the big deciding factor. I want to be around people who want to be around me. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, am I doing any of that right now? And the answer was like a resounding hell no resounding. No, there was nothing currently in my life that was aligning to the kind of life that I wanted. So that was like step one. Step two, (laughs) it's like, how do I get that life? You know, if that's the life I wanted, what kinds of steps did I need to take to get more of that in my life and less of what I didn't want? So I think it was kind of breaking down my life in a series of like, what action steps could I take now to get over here? Because I think we, we paralyze ourselves when we start looking at the end result of just like, well, I want this thing. I want it. Yeah. uh, It's too big. And then that becomes overwhelming. And then we feel dumb and then we feel defeated. And then we go right back in that cycle of it being exactly where we are. Right. So the goal is the motivation, but that's not the action. The action comes in, what do I need to do now, like today, in this moment that moves the needle 
a little bit closer to the goal. And I think fortunately what I was doing had a finite end date. I came back from bereavement in January of 2016 and I was like, all right, girl, you got six months. What, how do we get out of here in six months? You know, and I had already mentally decided that I was out of here. Like I was wearing Mm -hmm. sweatpants to work. Like I did, I was, (laughs) It wasn't like, I just was like checked out. Like what's the term that the kids are using now? Quiet quitting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we were doing. Like I was like, I'm handing out, I was teaching, but like, I didn't like, I didn't care. Not that I didn't care about the kids, but I was just like, I'm out of here. This isn't, this isn't it. So it was just sort of like a paycheck means to an end to get me to where I wanted to go. And in the meantime, I was looking at like I was transitioning into fitness at the time. So I was like, well, how many clients do I need to have? Um, how many contracts do I need to have? What certifications do I need? So the best possible way, because I was leaving hell and high water at the end of the year, I was not coming back, you know? So I think that's a long-winded process for step two, but like looking at the end goal and kind of breaking down what you can do right now in the moment to set yourself up to leave. And then I think the final step is you got to jump. You just got to jump without a parachute because I think for me, it came down to the question of if I don't jump, what's my life going to be like? And I think when we look at the risk and the reward, the risk of me staying was far greater. It was too, it was more of a risk for my mental health, my sanity, my happiness than it was for me to jump because I knew where I was, wasn't working. So then it was just like, well, now you got to do the action, girl. You've done the the foundational work. You just got to do it. You got to rip the bandaid out. You got to like cross your fingers, crisscross applesauce, pray to God, whatever it is, and (laughs) jump and jump. And I did because that risk was more in alignment for me. And I felt that there was so many more possibilities and options with that risk for joy, for success, for love, for alignment than there was staying in quote security and safety in a job and in a place and in an environment that was slowly killing me. I feel like a lot of people that have success in working for themselves and working remotely, anything like that, have the success because they want it so bad. I talk to other people that say, oh, I'd love to work from home, but I just feel like I would get home and I would do, I would just watch TV. Well, then you don't want it that bad. Like when I went and I did the same as you, where I just, I hated my job so much. And I started on the side, taking on some clients when I was home on the weekends. Yep. I finally decided to make that jump. I was working so many hours. At one point, my son was like, okay, you're going to hang out with your mom. Because I just wanted to prove to myself, because everybody thought you can't do it. I just wanted to prove yeah. myself, yes, you can. And you, if you want it that bad, you'll work for it and you'll, you'll put in the time. Yeah. I mean, I love what you're saying, because I think that that's an important piece of this. If you haven't made the decision, if it's not a hell yes... It's a no. And if you're vacillating back and forth, well, of course, the the world isn't going to respond to, you know, doubt. The world's going to give you more doubt. It's going to give you more indecision. If you decide and say, I don't want to work from home, but this is what I'm going to do. And, and think of how that has played out in every other aspect of your life. When you decide 
like a resounding hell yes. And you're resolute. The world will meet you. But if you don't know, then the world, then you're not creating space for the world to respond to you. And I know that sounds a little crazy and hokey, but it's true. Like when you commit, it's the end, it's the frequency at which you're vibrating and energy attracts energy. So when you are in a high vibe state of like, yo, I got this. The world's like, oh, you're ready. You have now shown up as the person who is now ready to receive these blessings. You know, mm-hmm. I agree. So tell me a little bit about sweet, sweet remix. What is it that you do? Um, so sweat remix started oh, as a, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's okay. It's kind of been, you know, <laughs> gets a little tongue twisty. Um, so sweat remix um, was sort of like the, <clears throat> the pivot point when I left fitness, because I started this class, which was mindfulness and, and movement. And it is all about that, like releasing the energy so that you can show up and receive. Cause I felt really downtrodden (laughs) as a teacher. And I just felt like I had nothing left in my tank. So it was an opportunity to kind of move and shift my energy. Um, I didn't have a name for it, but I knew that I was doing it with teachers because that felt most comfortable. Right. So that was sort of the first iteration. I started getting contracts at schools and I was working with teachers, but then I felt pigeonholed because I was like, I am one person. I'm working with teachers after school and there's, they all get out at the same time. So I couldn't grow it. I couldn't, I didn't know anything about scaling a business at that time. You know, it's just like, I just, this is great. You know? (laughs) So I was like, well, it's not really about the people. It's about the class. So then I rebranded and came up with the name Sweat Remix, and it's a remix of all things human, like to zen, to rage, to heal, to be, to move, to calm, to rate, all of it. So then that became a brand, and I was like taking over Boston. It was awesome. I was teaching this fitness class all over over the city. Um, And then we had this thing that happened where we all got stuck in our houses. Yeah. (laughs) Hey. So I switched sweat remix virtually and it was great. So this fitness brand was now like a virtual fitness class. If you freaking asked me if I would ever do an online fitness, I would be like, you're out of your mind. No way. And here I was, which was cool because now instead of relegating to a place, I was now pulling in people all over the world mm-hmm. who were in line with that vibe, who needed a place, who wanted to rage something out so that they could make space for themselves. But in COVID, it then fitness because people were, I was feeling heavy. I was feeling stuck. I was feeling like big emotions again in my life. So I opened up and I got my life coaching certification and I started doing life coaching and one-on-one coaching and I created a course. So then Sweat Remix was about movement and fitness, but then there was this life coaching and then, the, and it didn't, and then there was a like group coaching and it didn't make sense. So recently I just rebranded because I was like, well, Sweat Remix is a part of it, but what are we doing? And the whole brand was about empowering people to make brave choices when they're at a crossroads in their life. So if you have to rage out that energy, if you need new tools to go forth and decide what it is that you want, well, that's what we're doing. So enter the platform, the Empowered Millennials, which is all about empowering millennials to do badass shit. So there's fitness, there's group coaching and one-on-one custom coaching with me that, uh, that is just the entire you know, resources, tools, support community for you to take action in your life. That started with a fitness class. And that in five years has evolved so much 
to be this big brand with a podcast now with, with a staff with it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Tell me a little bit about your podcast. What do you talk about on that? Um, how to do epic shit, you know, cause I, I'm, I really like interviewing people who have busted out of the box, who have like me, right. Said no more. I'm, I'm unhappy. I don't like this and who have sort of deviated from the status quo, from this binary life of like, this is what we do. Right. And, and I'm not knocking that lifestyle, but I think what ends up happening is that we pigeonhole ourselves into a life of like, you get married, you have a baby, you get a house, you get a job and you die, you know, like we're missing so much in that, <laughs> like, like there's so much life to live after you're 32 and you have your kids, like what the hell like, you can, we can keep going. We can keep celebrating. And it's more about taking your adult life, like with this wisdom and with these choices to be able to say, well, wait a second, that I did that. And that was great. But I think maybe I want something different now. And if I'm 35 or 40 or even older than that into my late forties, fifties, how do I still pivot and redefine my life time and time again, so that it always serves me Bible guide we need when we are going through a moment where we're like, well, wait a second, I got to pivot. I got to move, you know? So I feel like this is a somewhat, not really new thing, but I feel like when our parents were younger, when they turned, like you said, 35, 40, that was it. You Over the hill. Really, you didn't really, like, I don't think about people when they were in their 40s or 50s, when I was younger, thinking about it as being people that did stuff. Nope. They, they just, they had their job. They were moms. They, just like you said, now it seems like this whole generation is you turn 40. Oh, you've got all these things you can do. And Absolutely. it seems like doors are open more than they ever were before for older people. I love, and I, yes, yes. And I, I'm so happy to be part of like the millennial generation and I'm the elder. Like I'm right there. I'm like a little more Gen X sometimes, you know, because I was like, well, I'm what? Gen X, so. yeah, yeah. Like I was a feral child, right? Eight o'clock happened. You had your breakfast and then you had to be outside somewhere mm-hmm. yep. doing yep, something like that. nobody cared, you know? Yeah. So I was a Mom feral never kid. Where, Mom, Mom never knew where we were. I swear no. to God. She never no. knew. No idea. No idea. And like, it was fine. And the assumption was like, that you're at someone's house yeah. somewhere. Maybe they'll feed you. And if they didn't feed you, you'll come home for lunch. Like, <laughs> We lived in a neighborhood where my mom would just yell out the door and we yep. would come home. Yep. Yeah. That was it. Streetlights came on. Better come home. Time yep. for dinner. That's it. So I, I agree. I agree with that because again, I think there was just this narrow perception of what life could be. And I think as, as technology changed and as millennials, we're the ones who like got the best of both worlds. Like we were, we were using the Dewey decimal system and the card catalog, but also Google in high school, you know? So I think when the world started to shift, so did our opportunities and our perspective. And we were constantly like rolling with the punches. Like we are the generation of change. We are the the trauma breakers, the rule breakers, the generational breakers, because we live in this world and this cusp of like the old operating system with all of these new possibilities. And like you said, when our parents are growing up, like I remember it was it my mom's 40th birthday was like over the hill. 
Mm-hmm. And that yes, was it. Yeah. You're like yeah. practically like go pick out your cemetery plot. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that that was it. And I'm just I'm 42 and I'm like, I'm whatever is over this hill. I love it here. I love you it here. Women, you look at women in their 40s and 50s pictures from back in the day. Way older than they look now. You see women that are 40 or 50 now, they look like they're maybe in their 30s. It's Absolutely. so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that's, I think that was, that was it. There was something about like, it's over for you now. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if that. Hairdo. Yep. Yep. Like Golden Girls. Like, what was Blanche? Blanche was like in her 50s. Yeah. Girl, please. Yeah. Girl, please. <laughs> right. Um, and I don't know if we like keep it youthful, we keep it cute, we keep it, you know what I mean? And I think maybe there's something now that women have more agency, women are. I think they're a little less stressed. We're not relying on, on, on this like old way of doing things or, or relying on husbands or men or partners to be able to support us. Like we don't necessarily need that. So I think the world can kind of open up and we just have options because whatever is happening here in, in my forties, I really like it. And I think the wisdom that comes with it, along with the ability to have some freedom, I think it's rad. I think it's rad. Like I, I, I have, I feel youthful, but I'm wise. So I won't do the dumb things that I did in my 20, but I have the energy and the, <laughs> the like, you know, the foresight to be like, well, wait a second, how are we going to do that smart? What's the smart way to do that? You know? I was just thinking that the other day I was riding in the car and I was thinking, I wish I knew what I knew now back when oh I was God. in college, right? all the things I would have done differently. So many things, <laughs> so many things. But then again, like then we wouldn't have this wisdom, Yes, that's you know, true. but just like shout out high five for the fact that there was a social media when we were 22. Cause like uh, I would be unemployable a hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so we end all of our podcasts with the same question. Okay. What is one tip you would give someone to inspire them today to get them motivated on whatever it is, the journey it is that they are on? Ooh, um, that's a great question. And I think it's to really, truly know, and I want you to claim it. I want you to claim your worth and, and know that you matter that your dreams matter, that your goals matter. So whatever this desire and thing that you're feeling, own it and it's real. And there's nothing wrong with you for wanting more. There's nothing crazy for your big dreams. So I want you to know that you matter. I want you to know that that, that dream that you've been holding onto in your back pocket matters. And you are doing yourself a disservice by not going and living the best, most full life possible. I encourage you to step into your unicorn self by claiming the life that you love and that you want. And really getting clear, like once you define it, once you clear it with that, get that clarity with that resounding yes, then you can start moving forward. So claim it, claim it, know your worth and claim what you want. Awesome. Well, Angela, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you everybody for listening. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening. She Can and She Will is a Country Mompreneur production. Audio mix by Marianne. Research by Disa McAllister. To learn more about this and other Country Mompreneur productions, visit thecountrymompreneur.com. Country Mompreneur.